0: In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, one God, Amen. Let us read chapter 2 from 1 Thessalonians. For you yourselves know, brethren, that our coming to you was not in vain, but even after we had suffered before and were spitefully at Philippi, as you know, we were born in our God to speak to you the gospel of God in much conflict. For our exhortation did not come from error or uncleanness, nor was it in deceit. But as we have been approved by God to be entrusted with the gospel, even so we speak not as pleasing men, but God who tests our hearts. For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. Nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ but we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherishes her own children. So affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives, because you had become dear to us. For you remember brethren our labor and toil, for labouring night and day, that we might not be a burden to any of you, we preach to you the gospel of God. You are witnesses, and God also, how devoutly, unjustly, and blamelessly we behaved ourselves among you we who believe. As you know, how we exhorted and comforted and charged every one of you, as a father does his own children, that you would walk worthy of God, who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing, because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it not as the word of men, but as it is in truth the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God which are in Judea in Christ Jesus. For you also suffered the same things from your own countrymen just as they did from the Judeans, who killed both the Lord Jesus and their own prophets and have persecuted us, and they do not please God and are contrary to all men. Forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles, that they may be saved, so as always to fill up the measure of their sins, but wrath has come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore we wanted to come to you, even I, Paul, time and again, but Satan hindered us. For what is our hope, or joy, or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Grace of God the Father be with all of us. Amen. i like to ask you some questions and I want you to answer it silently. The first question, do you know how many students in your class? Do you know their names? Do you know their conditions? For example, what grade they are in in school, what career they are going to choose for themselves, whether they are in need, of anything or not, not necessarily monetary needs or financial needs. Can you memorize their names if I ask you, for example, if you have 14 students in your class, if I ask you about their names, can you remember all of them? Do you pray for them regularly? When you pray, do you mention them one by one or not? All these questions will actually tell you what relationship do you have with your class. Some of us unfortunately we don't have any relationship, just I know I'm teaching first grade, second grade, whatever, so on Sunday I go to the class and say the lesson and greet the people in the class and that's it. Maybe I don't know their names, or I don't know how many students in my class I have. Another person or another servant can have a teacher-student relationship, just like a teacher in a school. You go to the class, you know their names, but it is a formal relationship. All what you know about them their attendance whether they attend regularly or not whether they participate in discussion or not and you make impression about each one of them just through the communication in the class or some of us have what we call the minimum requirement relationship what do i mean minimum requirement relationship who are required, for example, to do visitation, then I will do visitation. And uh, the purpose of the visitation, please, tomorrow we have our Sunday school from uh, 6 to 7. want to see you there. Do you go to Abuna? Do you confess regularly? Do you read the scripture? Just some questions and, and that's it. Some of us, maybe I replace the visit with a text message. Or I replace it with phone call. So I'll do the minimum requirement of what they are asking me or expecting me to do as a Sunday school. And some of us actually we have beneficial relationship. I benefit from this relationship. It serves me. It serves void in my heart and my personality. For example, if I am in need of love, so I fulfill this love that I need through my relationship with Him. If I need attention, I fulfill this needs for attention from this relationship. If I am hungry for authority and control, I will fulfill this through the relationship. If I need praise, I will actually fulfill it through this relationship. St. Paul actually addressed this point in the chapter we read in verse 5 and 6 when he said, For neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak of covetousness. God is witness. So, he said, our relationship with you was not based on A need that i want to fulfill through this relationship at all because sometimes we use flattering words to make groups for example if there are three teachers in the same class so who will be able to win the larger number to be like my group my party We see competition between Sunday school servants in giving presents, giving gifts, in calling people, asking about them. Not because they do visitation, not because they are interested in their lives, but more, I want this person to be mine, to be in my group, before the other Sunday school servant make him In his group. That's what St. Paul is saying here, neither at any time did we use flattering words, as you know, nor a cloak for covetousness, God's witness, nor did we seek glory from men, either from you or from others, when we might have made demands as apostles of Christ. Although it is our right to make demands, because the Lord said, the servant of the gospel, eats from the gospel. But he said, no, we did not seek anything from you because we did not want to be burdened." What type of relationship I should have with my students? If we go to John uh, chapter 15 and verse 15, the Lord answered this question. He said, no longer do I call you servants, although we are his servants. It is proper and right to be called his servants. But the Lord said, no longer do I call you servants, for a servant doesn't know what his master is doing. But I have called you friends. I have called you friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. The relationship between us and our students should be a relationship of friendship, friends. God told us, I have called you friends, I have called you friends. So either between senior Sunday school servants and junior Sunday school servants or between the servants and their students, this relationship should be a friendship relationship. When we say friendship, what does this mean? It means you are interested in the person himself. Big difference when you do visitation, you are going just to remind him the youth meeting on Friday at the time, the church is scheduled for the revival, so and so. We need to see you on Sunday. Abuna is waiting for you for confession on that day, just you give him some announcement. This is not a friendship relation. But as a friend, when you go to this person to visit him, or when you greet him in in the church, actually you are interested in the person himself. And think about it. I'm sure each one of us, we have friends, close friends. Ask yourself, do you treat your class and your students as your friends or not? If you are not treating them as your friends then you are not following the example of the Lord Jesus Christ who told us, I have called you friends for all things that I heard from my Father I have made known to you. Friendship Means also it is a loving relationship. In Arabic, and for those who read Arabic, the word friends is translated أحباء, beloved. لكنني قد سميتكم أحباء. مش مجرد مش كلمة أصدقاء. لكنني قد سميتكم أحباء لأني علمتكم بكل ما سمعتوه من أبي. So, any true friendship is based on true love. Not there is no place for gaining in it. I am not in this relationship because I will benefit something or I will gain something. It is a loving relationship. See what St. Paul said in the chapter we read in First Thessalonians chapter 2. He told them verse 7 But we were gentle among you, just as a nursing mother cherished her own children. Can you see how a nursing mother churches her own son or daughter? Can you see the connection? Can you see the love in this relationship? That's our relationship with our students should be. That is the example. As a nursing mother churches her own children, so affectionately longing for you, If you are on a vacation, do you miss your class? Can you say, as St. Paul said, affectionately longing for you? And they are in your mind, and you are praying for them? They are in your heart? When St. Paul couldn't visit them, because as he said, Satan hindered us. Do you know what he said? In verse 17, But we brethren, having been taken away from you for a short time in presence not in heart in presence not in heart so even when I cannot see you physically face to face in presence but always always you are in my heart but we brethren having been taken away from you for a short time in presence not in heart endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. If there are some obstacles or challenges for visitation, if you are tired, for example, do you do effort to go and do visitation or say, I'm tired, I'm going to cancel visitation this week. I'm going to call them. I'm going to just send group text message to all of them. See here, if we have this love, if we have this affection in our heart, if we are longing for them, we will say with Saint Paul, endeavored more eagerly to see your face with great desire. Therefore, we wanted to come to you even I Paul time and again, but Satan hindered us. Do you see Sunday school service and your class as a burden now I have to go and do visitation and check on this person. He is sick. I have to go. Oh, he invited me to his graduation. I have to go. It's a burden. See how St. Paul looked to his people? He said, For what is our hope or joy or crown of rejoicing? Is it not even you in the presence of our Lord Jesus Christ at his coming? For you are our glory and joy. Do we feel that our class is our glory and joy in the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ? Do we rejoice when we see them? What kind of relationship do we have with them? Again, if you go back to verse eight, eight, so affectionately longing for you, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Because you have become dear to us. I told you there is a relationship between son, school, servant, and class, like a teacher-student relationship. And this teacher-student, what's his goal? To impart the lesson. To teach them. That's only. But see here, St. Paul, he said, we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, I'm not a teacher here, going to teach you about the apostles and the book of Acts and the fast of the apostle and the ministry of the apostle. No. Yes, it's part of my responsibility toward you. But we were well pleased to impart to you not only the gospel of God, but also our own lives. Our own lives. I am here to serve you. If you need me at any moment, I am here to help you and to serve you. That's why we are called servants. Your interest is before my own interest because I am your servant. That's a loving relationship. It's not the minimum requirement relationship. And he said why? Why he was willing to impart himself, not only the gospel of God. He said, because you had been, or you had become dear to us. In Arabic, dear means aziz, but in Arabic, meaning beloved, which is more is stronger than just dear. Because you have become dear to us. And he gave example in verse 9 For you remember, brethren, our labor and toil for laboring night and day that we might not be a burden to any of you we preach to you the gospel of God So, again, if you love somebody you be careful not to be burdened on him rather to carry his own burden that's a true servant, not to be burdened on others, but actually to carry the burden of others. As the Lord Jesus Christ himself said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to offer himself as a ransom for This is the true relationship between a servant and his class, to be interested in the person. It's a loving relationship. Also, the participation and the sharing. In John fifteen fifteen, the Lord told them the servant or the slave doesn't know what his master is doing. That's why God did not call us servant, but he called us friends. For all things that I heard from my father, I have made known to you. Again, the sharing. When I share my life with my friends, with my students, and be interested, not, not in a curious way, not in a busybody way, of course we need to respect healthy boundaries in relationship, but to be interested in him, and he is interested in, in my life, and I'm interested. And there are big, big areas of sharing, like what you share with your friends. These are also my friends. So the sharing and the participation. When I'm invited to his birthday or I'm invited to his graduation, I'm joyful to attend these celebrations, not fulfilling of a requirement, but doing it out of love. Because his joy is my joy. His success is my success. If the relationship is also a relationship of friendship and loving relationship, then actually there will be big area of acceptance. I will accept them as they are. Different, definitely, there is a difference between accepting wrong behavior or accepting the person. I will be accepting the person as he is. And for the wrong behavior, through this loving relationship, this can help him to change his life. The Lord Jesus Christ was very, very gentle even with Judas. He did not hurt his feeling by removing him from being the treasurer, although he was not honest, but he gave him opportunity to repent and not to hurt his reputation before other disciples. He was gentle with Judas, although he did not approve what he was doing, but as a person He showed him kindness and gentleness. Sometimes we are interested in our class. There are Muslim children of families that are close to us who are interested in their children, not in everyone. But this is not a heart of a servant. One of the beautiful examples of the relationship between a servant and his disciple, we can find it in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 16, the relationship between St. Paul and Onesiphorus. When St. Paul wrote this letter, Onesiphorus had been departed, he was not alive. And actually, we use this reference as a biblical reference why we pray for the dead. Here we can see St. Paul prayed for a dead person, Onesiphorus. He said, the Lord grant mercy to the household of Onesiphorus. For he often refreshed me, and was not ashamed of my chain. But when he arrived in Rome, He sought me out very zealously and found me. The Lord grant to him so he prayed for the household in verse 16 to his household and he prayed for him in verse 18. The Lord grant to him that he might find mercy from the Lord in that day the day of judgment. And you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. So if we reflect on these three verses, it can tell us a lot about the relationship between Saint Paul and Onesiphorus. Onesiphorus was a source of comfort and joy to Saint Paul even in his difficult time. When he was chained, means in prison, he said for he often refreshed me, he often refreshed me, and you know very well how many ways he ministered to me at Ephesus. Yes, I told you it shouldn't be a beneficial relationship. I'm sure Saint Paul did not befriend on his force to benefit from this relationship, but If you are sowing love, you will be reaping love. Why Onesiphorus acted in this way? Because he was indebted to the loving relationship of Saint Paul toward him. That's why when Saint Paul was in prison, Onesiphorus visited him there and tried to comfort him. And when he was in Ephesus, not in prison, Saint Paul, sorry, Onesiphorus also ministered to him. When Saint Paul actually was imprisoned, many people were ashamed of Saint Paul. And he spoke about this group in Philippians chapter 1. But Onesiphorus also was not ashamed of his chains. Sometimes if our students get in trouble. We become ashamed of them, and we, got, we we disconnect our relation. We end our relationship with them. But he was not ashamed on his fours of his teacher. But he said, "This time he needs me, as Saint Paul comforted me so many times. Now actually, it is time." for me to comfort him and to stand next to him. And apparently it was not easy to know where St. Paul was in prison. St. Paul in Rome, he was like under house arrest. He was not in a prison, but under house arrest as we read in the last chapter from the book of Acts. He rented a house and he stayed there. Apparently, Onesophorus did not know where St. Paul was. That's why in verse 17, when he arrived in Rome and he heard that St. Paul under house arrest in Rome, he sought me out very zealously and found me. And found me means he tried to find him. But in the beginning, it was not easy. So sometimes we say, I tried to contact this person, I have his name in my list, but I think the phone number is wrong. أنا I did my part. So I will cross his name out. On his course, he could have done this. I tried to find St. Paul, but I did not find him. But see the words here, he sought me out very zealously. He tried to find where St. Paul was. There are pages where you can find, search and find So it was very difficult to know where St. Paul was. But because of this loving relationship, at the end he found him and he refreshed him. To what extent do we have this relationship? For example, do senior deacons encourage younger deacons or they want to control everything? Do senior servants encourage young servants or they want to be in control of everything? Do we share the information about the service with the junior servants or junior deacons or we exclude them? In order for us to be in control. What kind of a relationship do we have? Here is an example of a beautiful relationship between St. Paul and Onisiphorus. Another example, the example of the paralytic man and the four persons who brought him to the Lord Jesus Christ. And it was not an easy task to bring this paralytic man to the Lord Jesus Christ. He was sitting in a room, definitely narrower or smaller than this church, and it was very crowded. Even at the door, it was very crowded. And they came carrying him on his bed, and they couldn't enter from the door If they are just doing a task or the minimum requirement they would have said, you know, we tried but who can blame us? We cannot actually get him inside the, the room It's very crowded But they said no They were determined to bring him to the Lord Jesus Christ no matter what Do we have the same determination in serving our students or not? If we love them, we will do whatever it takes to bring them to the Lord. We have many children, many students who are spiritually paralytic. What do we do? Uh, I text him five times and he never answered my text. We use these excuses But see these people, the four persons They said, you know what, we're gonna jump on the roof And we'll make like opening in the roof And then we will carry the person with the bed From above the roof And then we will let him in front of the Lord Jesus Christ I'm sure this was not an easy task many people discouraged them. What are you doing? Do you think you will be able to carry him above the roof and descend him? Do you think the Lord will will think what you are doing is right? Don't make this opening in the roof. The the roof will collapse on, on everybody sitting down. I'm sure they heard so many discouraging comments, but they were determined to bring this paralytic man to the Lord Jesus Christ How much we are determined to bring those who are spiritually paralytic to the Lord Jesus Christ Then after they made and I'm sure for 4 persons to carry him it was very easy for him to slip uh, from the bed they have to do coordination high coordination together in order to be able to carry Him and then to descend Him, let Him down before the Lord Jesus Christ. That's why when the Lord saw their faith, He praised them, and He healed them. There were another group of servants sitting there. The other servants were the Pharisees. They were servants also, people of God, preachers of the Gospel. So when the Lord told him My son your sins are forgiven All what he cared about Not his healing Not all the effort That these four friends did In order to bring him to the Lord Jesus Christ said he is blaspheming Who can forgive sins Except God alone Many times We see servants Working very 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 hard And other servants just sitting there making negative comments like the Pharisees, criticizing what's going on. So which group? Are you from the group of the Pharisees or you are from like these four friends that work very hard to bring this person to the Lord Jesus Christ? Another example, Job and his friends Job was going through a very very difficult time and instead of being comforted by his friends they came to rebuke him When your student is suffering it's not time to point out his weaknesses and his sins. It is time actually to support and show him love. Job, in his theology, in his understanding of God, that God is the one who brought all this suffering on him. So his friends were so zealous to defend the God. So in order to defend the God, They said to him, you are bad. Don't blame God for the suffering. If you are suffering, then you are bad. They did not comfort him. They visited him, they did visitation. But they did not comfort him. So, again, when we do visitation, make sure at the end, or any appointment, make sure at the end the person would be comforted definitely without compromising the truth and many times we learn it when we visit a family lost a loved one or family suffering from serious illness or whatever even if they spoke about god why god allowed this where is the kindness of god where is his mercy where is We, were, we learned not to correct their theology right now. It's not a theological lesson right now. But you can say something like, God in his love and God in his compassion will not be disappointed at you. He understands your suffering. He understands your pain. So here, it's not time to defend God. God doesn't need lawyers. But it is time actually to assure to the person in a comforting way that he is loved and he is taken care of. So, not everybody who does visitation leaves impression on his students. But only those who go with a loving heart, like the heart of the Lord Jesus Christ. Only those who can leave positive impression. When I read in in, uh, John chapter 11, when the Lord visited Martha and Mary, definitely He knows that He will raise lathers from the dead. So why He wept? If you think about it, why he wept when they took him to the tomb? Because he saw Mary and Martha weeping and crying. A a true loving person with a kind heart cannot see others weeping and, and crying and he is laughing. That's why the Lord wept with them. And it was noticed by the disciples That's why John, in his Gospel, he said, Jesus wept. Participation. This weeping is a sign of compassion, of love. Can I see somebody weeping in front of me, and I have cold heart, not participating with them? Saint Paul told us, rejoicing with those who are rejoicing, and crying with those are crying. So again, what kind of a relationship do we have with our class? Some of us, they don't have any relationship. Some of us, it's like a teacher-student relationship. Some of us, minimum requirement relationship. Some of us, beneficial relationship. But we need to have a, a relationship of love, and friendship as the Lord said. Let me remind you with the question that I asked you in the beginning. Do you know how many students in your class? Do you know their names? Do you know their whereabouts, their conditions, what grade they are in? Do they in need in anything? Do you celebrate with them their birthday, their graduation. And when you do this, do you do it out of duty or out of love and commitment because you are interested in them? Do you do visitation? If you are away from them, do you long for them? Do you perceive them as your burden or as your crown and your joy and your rejoicing? Are you attracted to some people, only some students in your class, not all of them? Based on what? So all these questions will help us to understand what relationship do we have with our class. St. Augustine said, you cannot serve except those who love you. With whom I will make a loving relationship, I can serve them. But if it is just a formal relationship, this will be a hindrance to our ministry to them. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.